and welcome to Poll the Other One, a podcast where we see if pole dancing can solve all our problems. I'm mid-level amateur pole dancing extraordinaire Shandoxy. And I'm Lulu Popperwell, and I'm also learning French. Bonjour. Non merci. I will have the soup du jour. Can you stop du jour? Lulu, do we have a brand sponsor today? Uh, no, uh, I'm stopping that because uh, I don't want to give in to the capitalist masses. Okay, I actually got an email from a PR person saying that you were unsponsorable. Yeah, there was that too. Based pole dancer, stripper, and sex worker organizer Luna Minx. Luna, how are you doing today? Hi, it's really nice to be on here. It's so nice of you to come on the show. So, we're going to start with a bit of quick fire word association to Mm -hmm. get a sense of your profile as a person. Oh, should be fun. Yeah, Lulu. (laughs) Okay, so like, don't think about it too much. Just just dive on in. Okay, first word I think of. No, no, no. I'm going to give you choices. Okay, okay. Okay, You haven't got that much freedom. (laughs) Okay, farty or party? Party. Kill or bill? Uh, Bill. <laughs> Despot or sexpot? Sexpot, definitely. Crouton or luton? L- luton. Luton, because it sounds like Louis Vuitton. Ooh. <laughs> um, Deep. Blink or twink? Blink. Blink 182 or twink 182? Probably twink 182. Yeah. Vape or snake? Snake. Groan or moan? Moan, definitely. Rick- Mm. <laughs> raccoon or balloon? Raccoon. I love raccoons. Um, Little trash pandas. <laughs> uh, the Godfather part one, two or three? Oh my god, I don't I've not seen any of those. I'll say one. Uh Laura Marling or Penny Farthing? Penny Farthing. I object. Magpie or bagpipe? Um Magpie. Thank okay. you. Um, what do you think, Lulu? Uh I think we're dealing with uh, a really centered, grounded human being here. <laughs> like those are the answers. Oh like. no. <laughs> That's what you get from that. Yeah. yeah. Oh I did it was not me. I run it through a, a, a machine. It's yeah, it's AI, so um, yeah, you're looking at me like that's real. It's not, of course, I mean, you can see me. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I want to show you my raccoon screensaver. Oh, it's a rainbow raccoon. Live yeah. fast, eat trash. Love it. What a good motto. Yeah, yeah. It's like this really cool stripper meme that's basically like um, when the guy is like, come back later. And he's like, because he said a lot of men, they're like, maybe later. And it's just an indirect no. But when you, it's like when the guy says maybe later and you actually come back later and, and it's just a picture of a like little raccoon, little fat raccoon. And it's like, it is I. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite stripper memes. That's so, so like, good. Too, they don't expect you to come back and then you're back and you're like, it's me, the trash fan, <laughs> if your money. <laughs> the longer that I've been doing it, the more I am able to like identify the kind of like guys that are slightly less shitty and will want to go upstairs and just talk about anime for an hour as Ah. opposed to want to go upstairs and talk about his wife or like anything that I'm not really going to vibe with maybe how much he wants to fuck me I'm just like I'm just going to have to invent a load of fun sexy stories (laughs) fun fact 
if anyone's actually said like a sexy story around me, I have probably retaken it and been like, you'll never guess what I did last month. <laughs> just <laughs> constantly just, recycling. Just to keep it interesting. Yeah, literally. Don't I'm you worry like, it'll come full circle and you'll like repeat one back to a client <laughs> that gave it to you in the first place. Probably not because all these guys are so like vanilla and like sex starved that they're just like, this is the coolest thing I have ever heard of. And I'm just like, this is pretty, pretty average. Recycling very much like a raccoon, really. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> we like raccoons. Have you identified who your perfect customer is? Is there like a type yeah, where you can make a beeline for? Uh, when you're a little baby stripper, you kind of just like try everybody and you kind of like try your luck with everyone. Whereas like the longer that you've been doing it, I think I've been doing it like four or five years now, not really counting, including COVID because I did strip during COVID in like underground clubs. I would definitely say now I can look at someone and be like, this this man will is my type. This man will spend money on me. I can get this man to spend money. Other guys I will look at and I'll be like, mm, not really my type. Sometimes, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm surprised. So you still kind of like try try everyone. But mm. definitely now I'm like, this man's a nerd. <laughs> uh, recently, I, one of my favorite things I've done recently is I sold a dance to a little guy who 100% looked like a little nerd. And he had like a little like frog tattoo that like, has, has, have you heard of Pepe? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was very Pepe. Like he did look slightly insult like, right? But I yeah. went up to him and I was like, he's definitely a nerd, which means he's definitely played Skyrim. So I literally went up to him and I would literally, no other words. I was like, Khajiit has words if you have coin. <laughs> sold the dance. Oh my God. <laughs> Like, that's one of my proudest moments at the moment. Like, the, um, the amount of academic research you have to do in order to, like... <laughs> yeah. It's so interesting to listen to, though, because it's obviously some people might think that, like, stripping is about, like, the objectification of a person and, mm. and sizing them up. But it, also, you're going around kind of sizing people up and judging yeah, them based on what they look like as well. I'm like, this guy's going to spend, this guy's not going to spend, this guy's going to waste your time. Um, recently, you know, like, I can tell if a guy's going to pull his dick out or not. This little baby stripper was talking to this guy and he was, like, showing her his tattoos and then, like, he pulled, like, his... Uh, like he had like joggers on and he had he put it down to like show like one of his tattoos and I was like he's gonna get his dick out and then lo and behold a full five seconds later he pulls his pants all the way down uh. and the dick is out and they always do it whenever they're not hard and it's just like a little sad <laughs> slug sat there and I'm just like why have they done this but also you know you, ju you just kind of get like the feeling I do think there's something like weirdly I'm not and this is not like a serving suggestion for any flashes out there like there is there is something more up setting about being unexpectedly exposed to a flaccid dick than a hard one. I know. They're, they're, it's oh just like, God. it's really, because it's sad for both, for both parties. <laughs> like, like, well, it's just like, honestly, when guys do it in dances, I'm just like, and they just pull their trousers down, and I'm just like, what did you think would happen? Yeah, what am I meant to do with that situation? <laughs> like, genuinely, like, what's going to happen now? Because, like, I'm just going to be like, pull your trousers back up, or you're going to get lifted up by a massive bouncer and thrown out or both maybe they want that so maybe that's what they've come in for maybe no, it's, just, it's just kind of sad because I'm like I feel like you didn't think about this before you did it you just did it <laughs> yeah I mean I, I it's quite rare to sort of walk down the street and and impulsively walk into somewhere and pull, pull your dick out but like with a plan, no well, one, no one thinks I'm going to turn left into this building, get my dick out, and leave. Like, Honestly, the amount of guys that come in and are like, "So, how much extra is it for this?" or like, "Oh, I'll only go for a dance if I can touch," or "Oh, I'll pay you so much if you'll if you'll do this." And I'm just like, they literally tell you on the door, sir. Because don't get me wrong, there are clubs in the UK where you can go and you can get like extra stuff. But where I work is very very tightly regulated because it has to be because you know of all the stuff to do with the 
Bristol nil cap that's been recently. We're so tightly regulated that nothing happens in my club that they don't know about. So it's just like they tell you on the door that you can't touch us. Do you think I'm going to give you a blowjob without like touching you? So okay, so let's let's go back a step because um, you might not know this. I'm completely uninitiated. I know mm. nothing about pole dancing. I've never been inside a club. Yeah, I've never done a lesson. I thought it might be interesting if you could describe to me. Can you explain what pole dancing is? But can you do it in the style of explaining it to someone who has like never left their house? Okay, right. So imagine this is the first time Lulu has been allowed to <laughs> yeah. leave the premises of yeah. her home. It is. Yeah. I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> And she's like, okay, right. So pole dancing, I would say, um, is a art form that's come from strip clubs that is now practiced in dance studios. Most commonly, it's practiced in pole studios or dance studios. Um, and it can be athletic. So it can just involve like training for like sports games, or it can also be... I don't know what sports um, games are. I've never games, left the like, house. I've, no, I'm just, yeah, no, I've got to say, I'm not getting someone with big muscles. Like, yeah. That's what that's what's I'm not going to make this impossible for you. <laughs> yeah, so for the sports games or for there's like for the dance style, which is like a little bit more what I enjoy, which is where like people are dancing more for for like to learn to dance, but also I would say to kind of connect with themselves a bit more because you know like this, I feel like everyone's like pole's a sport, and I'm like I really disagree. Um, I think Peach from Wirral yes yes do you know who I mean so she said something really interesting or it was or it was something similar to what she said that was basically like how would pole be if it had never first been introduced as a sport and I was like I honestly think that it would be probably um, more of a therapeutic or more of an art form than immediately identified as a sport because like for what Paul's done for me and for what Paul did for me because I was a polar before I was a stripper it changed my life it changed my ideas of self-worth like literally the moment I touched that pole like I was a completely different person it's crazy what it's done and I feel like it does a lot of that for other people as well so a lot of other people go into a pole class and they think you know oh I'm gonna go in I'm gonna learn how to dance I'm gonna learn how to be sexy in heels and then it it just becomes so much more than that were you surprised when you moved into strip clubs having done pole dancing in studios before was it a big change in what you found was expected of the style of dancing um yes a hundred percent but I wasn't necessarily surprised it's mm. a big change but um so I started out doing sex work when I was quite young obviously like I didn't start like putting like photos and stuff of myself on the internet until I was like 18 but before that, you know, like I was always a horny little teenager. <laughs> and I ran a porn blog on Tumblr, like, since I was, like, 16. So Love that. Uh, back when Tumblr was a thing and, like, you could get, you could be fully explicit on the internet, which is really hard to find these days. Um, so, like, I started out doing that and I never thought of it as sex work. I was just like, I'm just taking fun, naked pictures of myself in my room. And it's fun because sometimes I get lots of, like, reblogs or notes on, on these pictures. So, like... When I started pole, it was very much like I went to a load of like sports classes. I took two lap dance classes, I think. And also Kitty Malore really helped me in that because she did a post where she was like, dance like you fuck. And mm. she captioned it, dance like you fuck. And I was like, that changed my perspective of pole because I was like, oh my God, I was like, I can put my sexuality, which I'm already like quite comfortable with and have been comfortable with for a long time. Um, I can put that into my dancing. And I was like, oh my God, that's changed everything for me. 
it is totally different. In so, a strip so when pole is taught in studios, is there any acknowledgement of like the sexualized nature of it, or is it, it really kind of kept depends, separate? I think on the studio, you know, like I feel like in terms of like the pole industry, I'm still very young um, in it, and uh, I I can't speak for like the OG days because I wasn't there but there's definitely been like a shift now and some studios are definitely like much more inclusive and they do actually say you know look we're we're teaching this because it comes from strip clubs it comes from strippers but the majority of studios and I do know that like originally everyone wanted to distance themselves from like stripping like for my when I I started um, pole dancing as part of Bristol Pole Society no one wore heels and people that did wear heels were like oh my god they're the sluts in the corner wearing heels <laughs> oh, well, as, we, um, as we've mentioned in other podcasts wearing heels is one of the things I'm freaked out about because I can't walk in heels so yeah, that's great no, to know that that's not necessary I couldn't walk in heels either when I started pole like genuinely my first ever pair of shoes were seven inches and I was like oh my god I'm gonna I used to work in a club where one of the best pole dancers in terms of athletic stuff, her thing is she was in a G-string and tiny bikini, but in trainers as oh well. Oh my God. Yeah, it was, a, it was a look. <laughs> I wish I wish that we were allowed to do that in clubs but like now because you you really would struggle to find any way where you could dance in trainers. Yeah, I mean, the club is a generous description of this. It was a brothel with a pole. You could do whatever you wanted. Are you, are you allowed to go barefoot? Is, is barefoot a thing? I did actually work in a club stroke brothel that allowed you to wear whatever you wanted on your feet. But the th- the interesting thing that I found is right because a lot of people you know like I feel like they don't understand the origin of shoes but the moment that I was without my huge platformed heels in that in that club and I was like half the size that I normally am and I was like trying to hustle to a man I was like I cannot hustle to this guy when I'm like two heads shorter than him yeah actually you know what that everyone's like oh my god they're such big shoes why are they so big I really think it's because you have to, when you're a stripper, you have to bring yourself to the same level as this, like, 40-year-old yeah. oh, man. I hadn't that thought about that. To. I know. Like, like, I never thought of it until I had my shoes off. I guess because as a five-foot-two person in life, I do often feel that I have, like, lower status than other people. <laughs> yeah. And I compensate but for that by being incredibly obnoxious. <laughs> but if I knew I could just wear shoes, that would that would change everything. Maybe you could Literally. do both. Maybe, I, maybe I'd have a nice personality. <laughs> when you're taller than, like... Most guys, mm. it's definitely all like on the same level. It just becomes way more easier to bring yourself up. I think it's so interesting that the heels being the technology, because yeah, most women, which tends to be strippers, are shorter than men. So the eye contact thing really helps you with uh, mm. negotiation. Also, I used to have a box in my shoes where you could keep money. It was like a tip jar, and in clubs where you're not allowed to wear anything else, like mm. it's the place yeah, where you very, can keep your it's money. Really, it's really useful. Yeah. yeah. You said that going on the pole before stripping completely mm. changed your life. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, yeah, 100%. So, oh, God, I think the first time that I ever went, the first time I ever saw pole dancing, it was at a Freshers' Fair at uni, and there were these amazing girls that were, like, spinning around the pole and climbing the pole and they were so like beautiful and strong and sexy and I was with um someone else that I'd literally met like the night before <laughs> we were just walking around Freshers Fair together and she was signing up to everything right so that kind of like got me in a place where I was like oh maybe I should sign up to things that I wouldn't necessarily normally sign
sign up to. Because the first time I walked past the pole dancing stall, I was like, I could never do that. That's that's way <laughs> too much for me. Like that's that's not something I'll ever be able to do. Can I ask? It's really funny now. Did you think of yourself as a performer or anything no, before this? Definitely, totally definitely uninitiated. Not. No, honestly, like I was so shy when I started pole, and the reason that it changed my life basically boils down to the fact that it was it's brought me out of myself like I was so scared to move because obviously you know like I was with this girl and she was like you should sign up and the second time we walked past I was like you know what I was like and I chatted to some of the girls and they were a lot nicer than I was expecting I think I was expecting them to be like kind of bitchy or cliquey um this was like six years ago and they weren't and that encouraged me to sign up but like when I started like I was so afraid to like put my arm up Mm. you know like that's how much of an introvert person what, what I was and like how much like in like it's, it's like if you imagine me like in a little ball I was <laughs> scared to come out of that ball and like even just putting my arm up high was like something that was really really crazy for me and I was like this is pushing me out of my comfort zone because I'm making myself bigger and I didn't like that and then um obviously I came to like it but it, and it helped me grow but that was one of the things, you know, like I, I felt like I could move. Whereas like before, you know, I kind of felt like I mustn't, I mustn't move and I mustn't like take up space and I mustn't be noticed because I'd kind of grown up being that kid, you know, in the classroom who's really quiet, who doesn't say anything, who's really shy and isn't like outwardly themselves. And I was always like, had this thing about like being really weird. And I was like, I don't want anyone to notice how weird I am. Speaking <laughs> Which, to two comedians. Yeah. I, they can't relate to this. I, I'm so glad about this. This is the thing, like, I feel like in the past couple of years, like, people who've gone their whole lives feeling weird have now, like, actually, I might be neurodivergent um, as a small sidetrack. But, like, before, you know, before any of that, um, you could understand that there might have been a reason why you were so socially awkward. I was just like, it's my fault. It's me. You know, like, I was like, I'm weird and I mustn't let people know. So... Uh, I don't know. It, it was just like the more classes that I went to, the more I was like, I feel like I can take up space. Like I can open my arms out wide. I can like kick my legs out. I can like move around the pole. Um, and for the first couple of sessions, it wasn't it wasn't sexy pole. For the first like year I did pole, it was literally just I would go to like spin city classes, which are really, really fitness based as opposed to dance based. We didn't really do much dance. And I think for the first like two months I was wearing my leggings and I wouldn't let go of those leggings like I didn't want to take the leggings off like <laughs> I literally had the teacher come over to me and be like it is time for you to like take the leggings off yeah, in, in lots of places if a teacher tells you to take your leggings off mm. that's um that's a crime <laughs> yes. speaking as women in comedy uh. <laughs> uh, well she was very gentle about it she was like you know like if you want to do some of the more like because you're now getting to the point where you need to you need more skin to be able to do more of the moves that are not just beginner based um so yeah, it was luckily it was nice. But um That's so great that you like sort of almost accidentally found the thing that completely brought you out of yourself. Yeah. Just going back to that signing up for everything at Freshers Fair, did you do that where you signed up for absolutely everything? No, I think I really fucked it up. <laughs> 
I got really aggressively leafleted by the Socialist Workers Party. Of course you did. Look at you. Yeah. Well, I was just walking past. I think I was trying to get something really gentle, like, I don't know, archery or bread or something just very chill. <laughs> bread. Yeah. Bread and society. Yeah. And I love bread. And I was just walking past and um, an aggressive man, not aggressive, but just a sort of loud man, uh, came up to me with a flyer and he said, do you want to join the Socialist Workers Party? And I went, uh, I don't know. And he went, are you a capitalist? And I went, I don't think so. <laughs> so I signed up. I think I still got the emails for about two years because of the I cowardice got, of I got not emails signing up. The whole time. I signed up for everything. Um, <laughs> yeah. The one that never stopped emailing me was the Assassins group. So you They're know that weird. game where you go around and like... They, they declare a game and then you've got to go around and kill each other until, not literally, but... Um, and, really? and, and It's sort of like Dungeons years. and Dragons meets cancel culture. It's yeah. very odd. <laughs> it's like LARPing as yourself, which is a twat. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, they emailed me like every week and I was like, somewhere in this university... People are playing this. There are there must be people doing it. <laughs> Just yeah. Random. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that was not the thing that brought me out of myself. Um, <laughs> if anything, yeah, if anything, <laughs> I could have stayed inside for fear of being killed. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to just ask you about the thing you mentioned about actually talking to the women who are the, the, doing the demonstrations mm. and having your expectations subverted of, oh, this isn't like the mean girls, like yes. on Wednesdays we wear pink. Yeah, yeah. That's what I found as well. It can be really intimidating to look at these incredibly like graceful, sexy, confident people and be like, oh, they're going to hate me. I'm a little lump. <laughs> and actually yeah. my experience has been completely the opposite. It Everyone's super is. like welcoming. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think it was just like, I feel like you grow... Like when you're a teenager, you're really susceptible to like society's idea of like what women are and like what groups of women are. And, you know, like you're just like, oh, this group of very like confident women, they must be bitches. They weren't. They were so, so sweet. And it was I think it was the president of the Pulse Society. And she was literally like just so nice. I was like, I have to come and give this a go, because if these people are part of this community, I was like, I definitely want more of that. Cute. Um, yeah. Super nice. I know. <laughs> I listened to the one, the fancy. Ah, oh, thanks. And I really, really loved it. Like, because a lot of stuff she said, like, really resonated with me about, um, I think she went on about, like, how um, it was, like, she created Kitty Villora's, like, an escape. Mm. And I was like, wow, I was like, that's really interesting. And Ooh. also, like, I was like, it is really true, I think, for a lot of performers. Like, you, you create, like, this amazing person and then, like, you end up with these kind of, like, identity things where you're like, I really want to be that person, but I'm not that person and stuff like that. So. Do you know the comedian Fern Brady? I've just started reading her book. She's autistic mm -hmm. and she talks in her book about how she created the kind of comedian persona Fern Brady to survive, essentially. Yeah. And now that has become more her. But I think, like, Kitty said, something like I kind of have to be this like glamorous vixen on Instagram and some days I'm like I made a cake you know yeah. <laughs> Actually, some days you're like I've just stayed on the sofa all day yeah TV all day I've not worn makeup or touched like my hair so. yeah. I think comedians have a bit of a get out clause because most of the time if you post stuff about your life it's like I'm just kind of boring and depressed and people are like yeah, yeah that fits your act it's fine yeah. Yeah. <laughs> people are like this matches it whereas yeah. like, if you like are a stage like if you're on stage and you're performing that is definitely a little bit different yeah yeah. you create this kind of person and you're like this is the super super cool idealised version of me that has no problems and because honestly like in my counselling sessions I would talk about Luna a lot and like Luna really? Like, yeah Luna is my safe space basically 
like ah. um, we were like she was like oh because um, we we had a session where she was like it was one of our first sessions and she was like you need to create like a safe space and I was and she was like so where if you think of where you feel safe where do you feel safe and this one really stumped me without going into too much detail I was just like well I can't really think of anywhere that I've like would immediately feel safe so I was like well Luna is my safe space like if I had to imagine and make up a space I would be Luna and I would be in that safe space that's really funny my pole dance name is Fanny Tantrum and yes, in, <laughs> in counselling we talk a lot about so I have a lot of rage yeah. <laughs> and that was definitely an area to funnel all of that which isn't quite the same as what you're saying about a safe space but, but it's I literally think, in the name right like yeah. Tantrum so I love that Fanny Tantrum to me immediately makes me think of just like a queef or like <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what is that if not a fanny tantrum it's true yeah I'm sorry no no I, you're right I had no idea that was your name I can't believe I didn't ask it's it's a I had to have a separate name for a pole dancing Instagram mm. but when I did my first pole performance I did it as fanny tantrum not me because I needed an extra space but that's not quite the same as creating a safe space for yourself it's more yeah. creating like something that you can express in this area that you maybe worth ha- have to like withhold in the rest of your life Let's talk a bit more about moving from pole studios into stripping and going between the two because you teach stripper style workshops now. Yeah, yeah, I do. If I threw Lulu into a stripper style (laughs) pole dancing workshop, I would have to hurl her by a crane (laughs) flop her in. If I put Lulu into a stripper style pole dancing workshop, what could she expect? Um, So... Ah, stripper style is probably really different from pole dancing, even from like pole dance dancing is still really different because stripper style always focuses on sex, the illusion of sex, like alluding to sex, the tease, like it's really like what we do in clubs is so different to what we do in studios. So if you're going to come to a class and you've never been to one before, I would say it's really focusing on being aware of yourself and being aware of your sexuality. Whereas like if you're just learning a dance routine, you're not always aware of like how your sexuality is influencing um, your dancing. Whereas like what I teach, I'm like, this is all stuff that real strippers do in strip clubs. And, you know, I, I guess the reason because pe- pe- people pay for it is because they really want, well, the reason that people pay for a lap dance is because they want to experience that. Not because it's a kind of like a man being like, dance, monkey, dance. For some of them, maybe it is. But generally, I would say it's because they want to witness, you know, the actual power that is women being aware and in control and confident in our own sexuality. Mm. And that translates to workshops, I guess, by people wanting to know how to own their own sexuality and, like, embody it and be aware of it. Because a lot of people, they're really not, they're really not used mm. to being aware of how powerful their sexuality is. A lot of people are afraid of it. Mm. Um, I think there is a real resistance as well to the idea that sex is a thing you can learn to get better at. There's mm. not a black and white, good or bad. Yeah. I feel like so many friends I know who are in relationships where the sex sucks, yeah. the idea that you'd introduce kind of, hey, maybe we could try some things, not necessarily like go to a workshop or something, but yeah. watch things and explore, feels like such a character assassination or a personal attack where it's like, hey, there's things here that everyone can 
learn yeah, to get better at or play around be with. Better at it, hundred percent. It's not something that, like, I feel like when you're young, you're like, oh, you're either good at sex or you're really bad at sex, <laughs> and it's like it's not true. You have to like. Keep There's learning. intermediate. Yeah. There's yeah. intermediate sexy. Like, whether I judge a, a, a hookup or a partner or whatever as being good or bad at sex, it's not about like what they arrive with. It's how well they listen and respond to new ideas. Mm. Like if they if they don't listen and respond, they're they're resistant to what you're saying like the notion that it can it's something you can explore and build upon yeah that to me is being bad at sex because that's that's resisting like accessing your whole sexual spectrum mm, yeah mm. to be good at sex you have to be it's more about the other person ironically it's not about anything that you do it's more your awareness of the other person like what they like what they're interested in mm-hmm. I would say I would say too <laughs> I really want to come to a stripper style poll workshop. I love that in the advertising for them as well, you're really clear that it's all levels. Like mm. you need to have a bit of familiarity, but it's not about being able to do a specific move. It's what you described, kind it's of getting in touch to stuff. inclusive. This is something I feel really, really strongly about because, you know, like I feel like summer pole dancing, you know, like you see it and you're like, oh my God, they're amazing. They're so strong. They're so flexible. You know, like and a lot of people are like, I could never do that. So, like some kinds of pole dancing right you, you kind of look at it and you're like if you come in from no dance background because I came from no dance background I literally had no idea how to dance I was like it's a cool idea but I have no idea how to do it or how to get there um, when you see people like doing like splits and stuff you know like it is so much more work for you to try and imagine yourself being in a position where you can do the splits or where you can like hold yourself up on the pole whereas like in my classes I'm like anybody can do this this is the wonderful thing about strippers you know like we really are like idolized and people like they're amazing you know like they're goddesses of sexuality and stuff but and I'm like yes we are but (laughs) but at the same time anyone can like give a lap dance because anyone can be confident in their sexuality and you know Mm. um, when I started stripping you know you think that it's all going to be like playboy models incredibly attractive women that like really only fit society's ideas of sexy and I'm like that's not how it is if you manage to work in like a more inclusive club which I do definitely the kinds of women and I'm gonna say and human beings because we have humans of all genders that strip and who play like the hyper femme everyone looks different and it's not you know this idea of sexy so like the idea that you can come to a class as you are and be sexy, I really love that. That's really important to me. And I really like like being able to teach anyone to be able to give a lap dance because I'm like, anyone can do it. You don't need to be super fit. You don't need to be like super strong. You don't need to be super bendy. You know, like you, you can be, but you can start with nothing and you mm. will be able to still give a good lap dance. It's more about sexuality than skills. Mm. This is, I mean, I, I find that comforting and also hard to believe because I one time I was asked to give a lap dance and I and I panicked. <laughs> and, um, and I, and I, you said, oh, you can choose the music. So I, I went to comedy in as, as a kind of like barrier against my sexuality and I put on Teenagers by My Chemical Romance oh my and then like ran back and forth at him like a little spider. <laughs> um, I think that's hot. He did not, he did not enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I think, but I think that I was being silly on purpose because I was a bit like, oh, I, I, I sort of feel, I have not I have no trouble like accessing my sexuality during sex, but I think when it becomes a performative thing, mm, yeah. that's different. And I, and, uh, it is a performative thing, mm. obviously, if you're if you're giving a lap dance. So 
uh, maybe I'll come to a workshop, learn how well, to do it. It's not, I would say it's not, it doesn't always have to be performative. You know, like recently, like I watched someone do a strip tease where the main aim was to be funny, but it was still sexy. So everyone has their own style and there's definitely people who give lap dances and the aim is to like make people laugh. And a lot of like actual authentic lap dances actually, when you're being paid like a lot of money to entertain someone, a lap dance is not just about like staying silent and being really sexy. Like most of the really high earning girls when they're giving the lap dances, they'll be talking at the same time. Mm. So they'll be making the customer laugh. They'll be making jokes. And like a lot of lap dances I've given recently, um, I say recently, like in the past year, you know, like as I've got a lot better is I've definitely, you know, started to like interact with the customer more during the lap dance. And, you know, I do make it funny sometimes. So mm. it is possible to make it funny. Like it doesn't have to be serious. Um, so what you're saying is I can run backwards and forwards like a little spider. <laughs> yes. Great, thank you. <laughs> There's a dancer called Cheeky Love. She's part of the yes. Berlin... Well, I know. Yeah, I she describes... Yeah, she describes herself as an emotional support clown. And mm. I was like, perfect. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So much of what we've got to do is not just about the dancing. Mm. This is like one of my major gripes is when people come into my inbox and they're like, I would love to be a stripper because I love pole dancing. And I'm like, well, I have bad news for you. Unless you've got amazing social skills, it's it, like really the pole dancing or even the dancing because like I love dancing. But the problem is like a lot of my job is not just dancing. Mm. Um, so it doesn't even have that much to do with pole dancing in particular. Mm. And I think people think it does. But that's, that's because of the American idea of like a strip club whereas like UK strip clubs totally different totally different I've never been in a strip club um, mm -hmm. which is like very off brand for my personality I feel like Sham couldn't believe <laughs> it when I yeah yeah um, Lulu did creep outside uh, the strip club that I was working at really? and waved at me from outside and little gander wow. um, yeah. uh, I didn't know you were there it just happened to I remember you winking at me but maybe I just imagined this as um, a little fun treat for me that was the time you saw me, let alone all the other times. Um, I, I know nothing about any of this, and I have no concept of what it looks like inside a club, what it, yeah. what, um, what happens, what goes on. So, if Lulu had to organise an ethical stag do, yes, and make a bunch of people go to a strip club and behave themselves, yep. What should she tell them to do? So and I would did. I be allowed in? Yeah, of course you would. My, my club recently, we did a little rebrand, you know, where it got rid of the gentleman's club that was written underneath um, the name of the club. And now, you know, it says everybody welcome because like they are starting to realise that they have to um, let women in. I know like some women have been to like Cheltenham races and stuff and they've been like told they can to go away, um, basically, even when they had money and they wanted to pay for it. So things are probably changing a little bit. But um, if you wanted to organise an ethical hen, sten, stag do, um, I would say, so you have to make sure that everybody takes cash. Um, I always going to say ket. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, everyone has to take ket as well. No. <laughs> Please don't go up to the strippers asking where who sells ket. <laughs> we won't know. Uh, um, but yeah, so... 
you I would say you definitely like in your group organize everyone has to take cash I would say like at least like everyone will probably see depending on how big the strip club like loads of girls that they find really attractive so they will probably want more than one dance so I would say generally like around a hundred pounds is a good budget to go and do um, the clubs have cash machines in them or do not, they check that you've got cash coming in no no they don't because the clubs don't really care <laughs> um, about because basically that's how they get you right so they'll they'll charge you like an extra like 20 pounds Pounds. Or even in London, you, you know, you can pay an extra £50 just to pay for a dance on card. Um, so I, the only reason I say to people take cash is more for the girls because they'll usually, depending on the club, be able to keep more of that. And also, you know, like you'll end up, the dance will be cheaper for you. Like it will it will cost you more for the same dance if you pay on card. Can but, we just explain as well, um, for the benefit of people who haven't been to a strip club before, strippers aren't paid to work there by the club. Generally, you... We are paing to work there and it can be, for, exa- <gasps> for example, my club... You're paying to work there? On a, on a Saturday night, we pay £130 and they, re- they recently changed that so we have to pay it up front now. So as soon as you walk in the door, you have to pay £130 before you've made any money, before you've worked, before you've seen how busy it is. What's the what's the the logic with that um so without the strippers they don't have a club it's really it's really interesting actually that i saw there's a really interesting post actually on the internet about like how it never used to be that way it's not always been this way but club owners basically figured out that they could make money off the dancers as well as the clients by charging the dancers to work so i'm horrified there's loads like there's so much you can go into with with like independent contractors versus employees and like what strippers are actually classified as we're we're technically workers right but we get treated by as employees a lot of the time but because we are air quotations independent contractors the house fee is said to be the cost of hiring the venue for the night so if you work on a monday it might be 20 pounds if you work on a saturday it'll be like anywhere up to like 130 pounds 150 pounds i think some places you know it's 190 pounds to pay to work uh, even though, you know, we are, in quotation marks, independent contractors, we're not always treated like we are independent contractors. It seems like often you get none of the freedom that mm. comes with being an independent contractor, but none of the protection of what it would like to be a worker. Yeah, so this 100%. Is, mid-space. It's very iffy, isn't it? Um, it's quite similar to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Where, yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you have to shell out so much yeah. in order to potentially make a loss. Similarly to strip club managers, yeah. what people have figured out <laughs> if you run, say, a comedy venue in Edinburgh, is you can get income from the punters, so people coming to pay and see shows, but you can also extract a lot of money from the artists because they're going to want to put on a show there. So you can, yeah, get a lot of money from that. hairdressers, apparently. Hairdressers pay, pay like, a seat fee. What is this dystopian world where people are paying to work exploitation it is completely is capitalism gone absolutely insane neoliberalism gone crazy i I guess with with edinburgh i was kind of i I have issues with it and i'm not going to go into all of them but like Mm. um i kind of in my head put it aside as like well it isn't it's it's like an indulgence because it's an art like it's not a necessary thing so that's why i'm paying for it blah blah not what i really believe but whatever but with i don't know there's something about sex work that makes me feel like because it's, I don't know, maybe more vulnerable than being an artist. I'm really shocked that you would have to pay in. 
Well, I feel like, honestly, strippers probably have it best out of all of, like, the in-person sex work that goes on because, you know, even when you are working with an agency, I've had lots of full-service friends, and they, you know, agencies can take, like, 50% of your money just for, like, finding bookings as Mm -hmm. a full-service sex worker. So, like, it really... And, like, you know, it it happens to girls a lot. You know, they'll get, like, boyfriends and stuff that pimp them out. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's, like, an issue of, like people it's not even just men but just people seeing that they can take advantage of um people who you know like even though we wouldn't have a strip club without the strippers they're still like well we can still make the strippers pay to work you know Mm. i feel like they think that we're dumb enough and unfortunately for them like a lot of strippers are starting to wake up and Mm. be like actually it's not so So, i want to come back to that um, around organizing but um can we just can we quickly finish off because i don't know still what happens in the strip club (laughs) so you've paid to be there i've paid to be there we're inside what's what's going on to make sure that the girls are going to be paid not just the house you recommend that everyone coming in has like a hundred pounds cash on them ish to spend on dances okay what else do the stags stens hens have to think about um um, consent is really important and for some reason women do not think about this like I get groped 10 times more often by women than I do by men because they think that it's okay because we're both women whoa um, yeah yeah 100% it's crazy right you wouldn't think that you would think that it's the men that do the touching but it is genuine like genuinely like you will unfortunately like get assaulted at work like it is uh, like part of being a sex worker but the annoying thing is when women come in and they're like grab my ass or grab my boobs and they're just like oh you're so beautiful or they're like slap my ass and something and I'm like why do you think this is okay mm-hmm. so 100% like do not touch the girls without asking if you can touch them or so can like, you is if is there any touching it with consent it depends on the club but like most clubs I would say you can't you're not allowed to touch the girls think of a stripper like a cat basically right I'm kind of <laughs> comes up to you it shows you its butthole um, you try to touch it and the cat's like no, no I don't want that so it's just like cats who come and show you their buttholes like, show, you, show you our butthole and how much money should I be putting in the butthole I'm confused <laughs> have I been underpaying my cat and then, and then don't and then don't touch the cat because don't like it so, that's a good analogy yeah so don't touch unless asked but they are still going to get up in your business right because there's different rules in different clubs but generally you know like we're not supposed to touch you I've heard about private dancers does that what, yeah, what does that so, involve like strippers make all their money in the UK off private dances a lot of UK clubs have actually like got rid of their poles or don't have stage shows so you won't walk into a club and be able to just sit and watch stage shows a lot of people are really not aware of this right so they'll come in and they're like why is there no one dancing on the stage and I'm like well because if someone's going to pay me £400 to go and do a sit down with them versus me going up on stage and getting my boobs out and like just a load of people stare and maybe applaud afterwards um that's 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 not it's not compact like you can't compare that so like a lot of us don't want to dance on stage unless we're actively being paid some clubs will take money off your house fee if you go on stage and that's like acceptable because you know then you are kind of winning i mean arguably you know like the amount i would charge for a performance outside of a strip club versus like what i'm losing to dance on the strip club stage it's it's totally different because there's no tipping culture in the uk so like no one's going to pay you for being on stage so uh, we make all of our money by private dances or VIP rooms so a private dance is literally where you just have a one on one on the dancer and you pay per dance and that's usually like around like 
40 to 60 pounds depending on what club you're in and you stay where you are for that that's um or like you no, don't get no, taken no, there's, there's, aside there's a, there's a private room that you okay. go into and and it it might be like next to other people having a dance but there's usually like a barrier in the way so it's not just you and the dancer it depends on the quality of the venue to be honest um so or there's like vip rooms which are targeted towards like Men who have insane amounts of money to spend. I mean, you kind of, it's really difficult because as a stripper, you gen, you kind of lose perception of like how much like £400 is. Some men will spend like £1,000 and be like, that's just average night out for me. Private rooms generally will be like £100 and up. And then it is just you and that dancer for an amount of time as opposed to just the dance. So like... And do you pay by time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes it starts at like 15 minutes and then you can do an hour, 45 minutes, two two hours, five hours, however long you want to go for. But there'll be a, a hefty price tag basically attached to that. So an hour in my club is £420. But if you bring cash, it's £360. So can you see now why we're playing? <laughs> do it really benefits people to bring cash if, they, if they're looking to save money. And do you get all of that £420? Uh, no. So the club will take a cut usually of that. Um, the club's always taking a cut. Like whatever you're giving the girls, usually the club's taking a cut. I would encourage you to ask the girls how much they're going to get and from however much you're giving them, mm. and then pay them accordingly to what you think is fair on based on what they're going to get mm. or tip. Um, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, or tip extra after the dance because some of us can keep our tips, or sometimes if you make the tip really indiscreet, we can keep the tips. Cool. Some some clubs will try and take tips off you, but cool. that is 100. percent So we've covered the bring cash. But Budget. Consent, yep. really important. Yep. Going into the private rooms and asking about what the percentage is. Yep. What about general vibes? What's the sort of um, right behavior? Ooh, in my okay. head, I just imagine like, this is sorry, this sounds so judgmental, but obviously I've only ever seen it in like American films. Just imagine like the floor being really sticky. That's that's <laughs> the, the first thing I think of. sticky, do not touch. <laughs> oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, like, right. They, they are gross. <laughs> it's just like a... Like, I don't mean with cum, I just mean no, beer. People just spill their drinks all the time and... And for some reason, you know, despite the amount of money that strip clubs make, they still forget to clean the floors. Um, <laughs> general vibes. I would say if someone dances on stage, if you're a massive group of, like, women, femmes, non-binary, e- either way, please don't, like, scream and shout after the girls have been on stage because, like, it is, like, kind of scary if you're a stripper not experience the very supportive pole environment that happens in, like, studios and, like, in studio performances. It's perfectly acceptable to be like, yes, you know, like, or, like, people be like, yes, queen, or stuff like that. But at the same time, if you if you're applauding or like screaming after someone's stage set if you're not actively tipping or then like being going over to dance and being like let's go for a dance it's kind of a bit insulting because it's like I'm going to applaud your stage show that you had to do for free and take your top off for free most of the time but I'm not actually going to pay anything so I would just say it's more respectful to tip if someone's been on stage and you enjoyed the stage show or take them for a dance um, or maybe just just don't don't scream yeah (laughs) To me, it sounds like it's really undermining what you were talking about before, which is like that accessing your sexuality and like isolating that and putting it out there. And if people Mm. are sort of like whooping like, well done dance monkey dance it's yeah, sort of, yeah. That's, that's kind of what it is because you know I, I think I made a resource actually on Instagram a little while ago and I was like what to do if you're going to come on a trip to a strip club Like, but it basically boils down to like if you're going as a studio or as a, st- st- a stag or hen group like just don't 
like treat the girls like they're just performing monkeys. We are people and we're there to make money. So as long as you're bearing in mind that time is money. So basically don't sit and chat to a girl unless you have intentions of paying her. So like don't be like, oh, can I ask you loads of questions about the strip club if you're not yeah, that's intending why I, I to I brought you tip. here to ask you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, uh, I will be tipping. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for all the information. Yeah, I mean, I'm on my own time here. But if I'm at work and someone's like, I want to ask you all these questions. Men do it as well. They're like, I have so many questions. And I'm like, unless this is going to end in you paying me, I'm actively not interested because unfortunately, as much as I do like telling people about strip clubs, I'm like, I do like making people more informed. I don't like sitting there for people with for 20 minutes. And then when I suggest that you go for a dance, you kind of look at me like I've just suggested something that you would never do. Yeah. <laughs> like your whole life. Like, yeah. like you're being greedy when, oh, they, when they've just been greedy with your time. Yeah, 100%. The other thing I will mention now whilst I remember it is if you're a woman or you're attracted to men in a strip club, please don't go and start chatting up the men because there's <laughs> nothing that irritates strippers more than women that come in off the street and, like, they'll just come in as, like, a two and they'll find another group of guys and they'll just start chatting up the guys. And I'm like, this is not a place for you to start taking men home with you. Like, it's really, really offensive. I have had women come in before, like, to try and, like, take customers home some girls like I had an occasion where girls literally just went into the dance room and started trying to take their clothes off as civilians and I was like that is the worst thing you could do because you've not paid £130 to work here no one's gone into the dance room with you to pay you money and please stop asking the men to do a lap dance for like £40 or something because like you're you're not a stripper if you want to be a stripper you can audition and you can come in and work like the rest of us because it's just really offensive wow the entitlement yeah, I know. yeah amazing it's so, it's so terrible but some people do do it yeah. you know, like I've seen I've seen it all <laughs> What is the situation with strip clubs in Bristol at the moment? Um, so it's quite, it's, it's actually a lot better than it was because we had the first unchallenged license renewal that's happened for a really, really long time. Whereas like every year, Bristol Women's Commission would come in and they'd be like, strip clubs are unfeminist. We can't accept strip clubs. And every single year we would have to like fight to keep the clubs open. I say this as someone who's worked in Bristol like, only for a couple of years. It's been happening for a long time. Whereas this year, we just had a license renewal and it wasn't challenged, which was amazing because it's so stressful every year to be like, will we only have a year of dancing left in Bristol? But um, Also in an already marginalised and, st and stigmatised job to have to fight to keep your job alive. Well, I think it, it comes down to the like second wave feminism and this idea that if like you're pandering to men, it's unfeminist to objectify yourself. But I'm like, I feel like that is very like a privileged position to make because a lot of women come in because they are single moms they have kids to feed they've got rent to pay they're not interested in the politics of like is it really objectification to get naked for this man they just need to work to make money to feed their kids and to pay their rent you know like they we just want to work it's just a job is there terrible ethical implications of my job I really don't think so because I feel like in an ideal world people still love strippers people still love strip clubs people love like people love cabaret people love burlesque so I'm like it's just this idea that because they're for men I think a lot of privileged women don't like it but I'm like just because you don't like it doesn't mean that you can shut it down it's, it's not an acceptable reason I'm sorry that some men are trash and like some men with wives and children will still go to strip clubs but I feel like that's more on the men and we have to start holding men accountable for their choices 
Um, as opposed to all strip clubs are bad because it's not my fault that your husband is unfaithful, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't blame the women, blame the men. Yeah. That they yeah. have that entitlement and they think that they can do that. It's also if you're following a lot of second wave logic, if you shut down strip clubs, you'd have to shut down like wedding dress shops and things. Yes. You'd really have to get rid of a lot of things. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, we're pandering to men. Well, I really don't think that's true. You know, like we're, we're what we're doing is Yes, in the moment, like I am objectifying myself and I am being a sexual object, but my most respectful customer clients, because they're not all terrible, and I really want to get rid of the idea that all strip club clients are disgusting. My favorite clients are literally just guys who want company and who just want to have a chat or they're feeling lonely or they've just had a breakup and they just want a distraction you know like they're not there because they see me as a piece of meat they're there because they actually just want company Mm. um or they just want to you know feel human i feel i i i feel like sex is a human right i'm sorry but i feel like it really is because some people just can't access it for various reasons that are not always their fault and people are always going to want to fulfill that need um and i feel like especially for guys as well it's a much more socially acceptable way of accessing not therapy because we're not really therapists although i'm not gonna lie my counselor was like you do need counselor training to be dealing with some of these guys Mm -hmm. but it's much more acceptable for a guy to go to a strip club than for him than for him to go into a counselor's Mm -hmm. office so you've had to do less activism at the moment because there isn't so much pressure from other um, lobby groups to close the clubs down? Well, me personally, I mean, mm. obviously there's still the stuff going on with Edinburgh, but obviously we did win with Edinburgh. Edinburgh was in a very similar position to Bristol where they were like, we're going to close down all the strip clubs because they're objectifying women. And we had to crowdfund, I think it was £20,000 to take Edinburgh City Council to court but to be like it is actually indirect gender discrimination to shut down strip clubs because most of the time these cities will still allow you know like magic mike or like male strippers to perform in like huge venues and they don't even need sev licenses and sev licenses a sexual entertainment license which all strip clubs have to have so like men taking off their clothes because i 100 promise you if you've ever been to a male strip show they do take off their clothes they don't need um an sev license but strip clubs with women in do so we basically argued in court that it was indirect gender discrimination to shut down strip clubs but still like allow other kinds of like strip entertainment and stuff and we won so amazing yeah it's really it's really good yeah so they're not closing the strip clubs in Edinburgh now which is amazing keeping workplaces open for women I have a really like genuine question how do you organize your time between working enough to make money and then also teaching in pole studios and managing activism as well how does it all hold together oh my gosh it is crazy (laughs) so I wouldn't like I would say there's definitely like more people working harder in Bristol Sex Workers Collective than I do like my friend Emily she does an incredible amount of activism work so she really like I would big her up and say she's like such a burning voice behind the union different people do different jobs within the union Mm. 
like I am very vocal about what we're up to and like how ways and people can help but there's definitely more people doing things behind the scenes than I am um and as for like teaching polar stripping it's really really difficult like really genuinely stripping is an exhausting job like if you think that going to a pole class for an hour and dancing for an hour is tiring try doing that but eight hours like two or three or sometimes four times a week like you've got to be on socially as well Mm. yeah you've got to be on socially as well so it's not even just a physical burnout it's emotional burnout as well and you like you have to as a sex worker you have to be really aware of like the importance of rest I feel like sex, sex workers have generally like more of an idea about rest or at least some of them do because you know like, we have to rest with our jobs that you can't work all the time it's not like a job where you can go to work every single day because you wouldn't be able to like physically emotionally you'd have a breakdown at the moment like I'm really pushing pole and training pole a lot more because we're in a recession and it's actually really really difficult for strippers right now like I had terrible months in October and November where I didn't want to go to work. I was being assaulted every time I was going into work because not only were people not paying as much as usual, it seems that like all of the really terrible men had come out from nowhere that I don't normally have to experience. Like I was assaulted something like three times in one week in October. Yeah, it was bad. So I had nights where I was coming home and I was being like, I don't want to go into work now. Um, and I feel like it's important to like highlight that just because I'm like everyone thinks that being a stripper is like this amazing glorious job and I'm like it's really not it's a really difficult job it's not something people should get into lightly I don't recommend that people just start stripping on a whim it's, it's, it's a really difficult job it's really intense especially at the moment like you can tell we're in a recession unfortunately <laughs> strippers are like the first people to know whether we're in a recession or not and like I'm telling you right now we're in a recession yeah I suppose it's one of the first like signposts of disposable income mm-hmm. is like yeah 100% like people just aren't spending what they used to like my income from stripping has gone down I'm just at the moment, like I started working online a little bit more and I started training pole a little bit more because I'm like, as much as it pains me because I do love working as a stripper most of the time when it's really nice, I'm like, I've got to keep finding, I've got to keep myself going and pole helps keep me going because Mm. when I work a lot, like if I'm working in a strip club two or three times a week, I don't have time to pole and it's really upsetting for me because I would, I like, I love polling for myself, but I'm just too exhausted. Um, It's nice in a way, even though it's not good, but out of something not good, it's coming something quite nice because I'm like, I can finally focus a little bit more on my pole training. How can all pole dancers support strippers in the industry? I would say that the best way to support sex workers when you're pole dancing is to A, be aware of where your like pole comes from. Like I had an argument on the internet very recently where people were like, pole dancing comes from Malakam and strippers. And I was like, okay, so we've merged from the not a stripper thing. We've now gone to, it comes from something that it's not related to and also strippers as well. And I'm just like, it's still offensive to, for me personally, for people to be like, this comes from men that like because I think Malakam's like an Indian male sport strength thing the thing to note about stripping is that it is not 
as simple as just like women and men because it like people are not just women and men like I really do believe that stripping is a kind of drag but it's a really unaccepted form of drag because everyone loves male drag because it's really exciting because you know it's men doing it but people don't like appreciate that like stripping's not real like it is it's just a fantasy like a lot of girls they'll wear they'll wear fake tan they're wearing hair extensions they've got fake nails they've got we've got lingerie that like emphasizes our silhouettes we're wearing shoes that take us to like crazy heights and also like lengthen our legs and make us look more sexy is it like we're wearing like enough makeup to sink a ship (laughs) like false eyelashes like the whole shebang I'm just like I really and you know like it's not just women that are doing it I have a lot of trans and non-binary friends that are also strippers so it's quite funny because I never like to think that my customers can imagine that it's actually like a guy giving them a dance <laughs> but te- like technically like some of my friends like it is like as a boy giving a guy a dance and like I have a friend actually who has recently had top surgery and is like continuing to strip despite that which is amazing because like you wouldn't think that you would still be able to make money after chopping your boobs off but like they're still working and they're still making a lot of money so mm. like it's really important to note that like not all strippers are female and it's like I really do think that it's just like non-accepted drag kind of mm. like so being aware that pole comes from strippers and also like making classes and making anything pole related more inclusive to strippers i have beef with like a certain pole heels wear company not because like they make terrible shoes i think their shoes are great but just because like their shoes are made so uncomfortably like you can't wear them for more than like an hour class and i'm just like this is really not designed with strippers in mind it's just designed for people who are going to be dancing for like an hour at a time Mm. or you know maybe like two hours for an event or something but I'm like the whole point of having stripper shoes is like and the whole like stripper shoes are made technically first and foremost for um, strippers so if you're making shoes that strippers can't wear but they look like stripper shoes it is kind of like just kind of really inconsiderate you can call your shoes what you want but like it annoys me when people like wear heels and they're like oh these are pole heels and I'm like obviously it's innocent most of the time like and also you know like I'm not going to be de- like down your throat being like you have to call them stripper shoes but <laughs> I think it does help to like acknowledge that they are stripper shoes they were created for strippers and for drag queens to wear for like long periods of time and being comfy so it kind of removes strippers from the equation without even meaning to Mm. equate them and then you know there's like when people are like talking to you about pole and like you're like well I'm I do pole but I'm not a stripper it's really not helpful to be like that because I feel like then you're just distancing yourselves you know like you're not intending to but you can feel the stigma that's attached to stripping and I know you can because you've just disassociated yourself from strippers so if you're like if people are like well oh so if you're like oh, I do pole dancing they're like oh isn't that what strippers do you can be like well yeah it is like I'm not a stripper but I think strippers are actually really powerful hard workers that you know are discriminated against basically a lot and it, like whilst that's not what I do I still support that if that makes sense mm. amazing answer amazing um, yes <laughs> 
of this podcast is to see if pole dancing can solve all of our problems. <laughs> so, Luna, Lulu and I both have a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We'd like to see if you can help us solve it through pole dancing. Okay. Lulu, what is your problem? Okay, there's always one serious one and one silly one. Guess who got the serious one? I am having a serious one today. Yeah. How uh, could pole dancing help someone deal with unrequited love? Asking for a friend. Oh, that's an interesting one. Well, okay. Actually, that is... I can I can think of a reason why it might help with unrequited love. is because it makes you more aware of yourself and your own sexuality, which I have, like, banged on a lot about already. But I feel like you... A lot of the time when you're in a relationship with someone, a lot of people are always thinking about the other person. Um, if you're thinking more about yourself when you're dancing and it kind of brings you back into yourself and thinking about your own sexuality, then you can just maybe focus more on yourself, hmm. if that makes sense. Like, I, for, for me anyway, like, pole really makes me think about myself and my wants and my desires, and that's not necessarily selfish to think about those things. Um, so hopefully, like, if you're dancing, pole dancing, and it's helping you, like, be more aware of yourself, you're not necessarily pining over people you can't have or maybe you know just being in yourself and pole dancing they'll see that you're focusing more on yourself and that might even help resolve it maybe I don't know why you're looking at me (laughs) I said I was asking for a friend (laughs) so stop giving a shit about them as much as giving a shit about yourself (laughs) my urgent question Luna how do I log into the pole the other one Twitter account (laughs) (laughs) this is not something I don't think I can help unfortunately oh no it can't solve all our problems (laughs) maybe one day Luna, this has been such a great chat. Thank you so much for coming in. Where can people find you online? And is there anything else you'd like us to promote? Mainly at the moment, I'm really active on my Instagram, which is at luna.minx with two X's. For some reason, people always like do like Luna Minx and they always like give me like one X. And I'm like, no, it's two X's. (laughs) And um, I do have a Twitter account. um, That's under my, like, that's under most of my cam stuff. So that's Luna Faye. So Luna underscore Faye is in F-A-E and that will tell you more about like my online schedule if anyone wants to see what I do online um, and my email if anybody wants it is minksaloon at gmail.com so no creeps though <laughs> please, please no creeps creeps just business inquiries only and I guess for promoting just like please keep an eye on my Instagram if I'm promoting like workshops and like dance classes it's because I'm really really trying to like not have to go into the strip club as much as as possible at the moment so you are like by coming to my classes not only are you learning stuff but you're really supporting a sex worker who is trying to like not have to deal with shitty men at the moment so it really helps me and also like just because I like teaching people and I like people like to help find themselves and um, feel themselves quite literally great (laughs) you heard her follow Luna on Instagram come to a workshop have fun yeah 